0: good morning everyone. It's morning for me here on 3CR on Left After Breakfast. Whatever time of day it is for you. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. I hope it's a good one. I'll be joined a little later by the rest of the Left After Breakfast team. Or I must warn you here and now that some of us aren't here. Some of us have been laid low with various complaints, but like always, this is three c r and we carry
1: on onwards and upwards. Ah, good morning. you're listening to three c r the only radio left.
0: Thank you bagman. This is from the bagman who's not too good at the moment. in fact, he's a bit cook, so send him all your good vibes and all those healing powers that you have within you. Get better soon, Bagman. We've all got your back. Keep smiling. And I want to be talking about smiling a little later, dear listener. But at the moment, I just want to remember, first of all, we should all remember that this time of year is the time of bushfires. And on the 18th of February... In 1983, we had those those dreadful Ash Wednesday fires, more than 180 of them fanned by hot winds of up to 110 kilometres an hour and that caused widespread destruction across the state. And those fires were the deadliest bushfires in Australian history until the Black Saturday bushfires of 2009 which, of course, were eclipsed by the absolutely dreadful fires of 2019-2020. Those fires in which our um, Prime Minister vanished and Jenny so blithely brushed aside in that infamous 60 Minutes interview. But today, this morning here on 3CR, I like to think of all the families who've lost loved ones to those fires and give thanks to the firefighters to the CFA, to the professional and the volunteers in the MFB. We won't forget those fires. And we won't forget, we mustn't forget, the behaviour of our Prime Minister, especially at that time. Remember his oafish attempts to shake the hands of a survivor? I'm saying oafish. That's a kind word to use. I think it was much more diabolical but that's not the same is it as a woman who's not going to smile for him. There's really nothing nicer than seeing a smile is there a genuine heartfelt smile it's a wonderful expression that we as humans have it conveys all those positive emotions it shows gratitude and happiness amusement satisfaction, love, joy and who doesn't remember the first smile that a baby gives you. Yes, okay, it could have been wind or it's some kind of blind instinctive response that humans show. But the first smile a baby gives you really knocks you off your feet. You know, I was looking around at songs about smiling and the world seems full of them. They all seem pretty empty too. But I did find something from a Billy Holiday that I wanted to share with you. And then I'll talk a little more about smiling. And you know the smile that I mean, or the lack of smile that I mean.
2: listening to 3CR 855 AM on digital and on the internet www.3cr.org.au
0: and no I'm not saying we should all go out smiling I just wanted to play that Billy Holiday number and that great band I don't know who's behind it because I didn't take note of it when I put that little bit of music on top of my wardrobe I'm still talking about the lack of a smile that we had from grace tame as children and as young women too, we're told to smile for authority to show respect to smile at teachers at parents at priests and at policemen grace of course was authentic in revealing her emotions and she's weathered a storm of criticism the wife of our prime minister publicly denounced Tame's lack of manners. Now, I'm not condoning needless disrespect or random rude behaviour. But if we can't express ourselves when we have justifiable cause, what the hell's wrong with our society? And why should a side glance, a withering glance, mind you, from a young woman cause such uproar? Because in mere seconds she challenged the status quo of the privileged male. She cast aside his authority and his power. She was authentic and she was unapologetic. And I'm on her side for heaven's sake. And as for Jenny, the wife of the Prime Minister, she should really just zip her mouth or else bring to mind All those occasions when her oath of a husband was particularly rude and without manners whatsoever. All those times in Parliament, sitting there, playing with his phone, turning his back on women getting up to speak, turning his back when men get up to speak too. If they were from another party than his, he had his back to them. Maybe he was playing some game on his phone and as I mentioned earlier, him trying to thrust a handshake on those people suffering from the fires. This is after he'd been dragged back home from Hawaii with his ukulele. Now there's a lack of manners for you. I'm really quite fed up with Jenny, the wife of our Prime Minister. You know, I really wish I had someone back like, someone like Sonia McMahon, you know. (laughs) Oh, well, she's much preferable to the wife of the Prime Minister that we have now. Let's take a music break while we consider our manners.
2: As a child I was raised on salted oats And tales of the savage past I learned to love the drifting rain And winter's icy blast And all day long on the holy isle Far out in lamb bay I walked the hills in creaking shoes Where the bones of the old ones lay And at night the head of the mother's fled on the solemn floral drapes, and the flower of Scotland bloomed again among prodigies and pipes. I was taught in school, over a thousand years ago, was forced on the Scots of all. Martin sold by a parcel of rogues For a handful of English gold Down our fate was sealed with the field When the blood of the clans ran down Through the twisted sea of history To the streets of Glasgow town Where at night the head of the fled On solemn laurel arrived And the flower of Scotland bloomed Again among proddy dogs and dykes. On the long summer nights When the northern lights from the sky like a sickle, The prods and dykes They part from the dykes The brand and the housing scheme with sticks and stones we broke our bones for the sake of the good old cause That the kept our country bound in chain, the thundering English laws And at night the head of the forest fled on solemn florals' drapes, And the fur of Scotland bloomed again among prodded us old men lilt how the blood was spilt on the banks of the river bar 300 years of hate and fear clutched like a of sky and the ibrox and the parthead too on the first day of the year see bull-grown men drag it all out again while the fans on the terraces cheer and the night the head of the police fled on some floral drips and the flower of Scotland bloomed again among frotty dogs and babes. And the night the henna was bled on some laurels rapes. And the flower of Scotland bloomed again among frotty dogs and babes.
0: Thank you, Alistair Hewlett and Jimmy Gregory.
3: There's plenty of specialist music programs to choose from on the 3CR grid. Music. Explore the 3CR schedule online at 3CR.org.au. Oh, it makes me happy. Yes,
0: this is our vibration.
3: Check out Music Sans Frontières.
1: <laughs> great voices music matters
3: through the hip sister hop show the heavy session
1: the planet X radio show
3: satellite skies shindig
1: sweet dreams
3: tune in to 3CR 855 AM on your digital radio or streaming live at 3cr.org.au let our music make you happy
0: And it's time we heard from Bucko. Ask Bucko he'll tell you.
4: Scott Morrison is struggling every day with how quickly the Australian electorate has changed its opinion of him. That is because we've gotten to know him although the good folk at Hillsong Church probably find him perfectly acceptable as a modern leader. Most of us live in the 21st century When he claimed that God handed him a victory in the 2019 election, most of us sort of suspected that Bill Shorten had a say in who won and who lost, and it wasn't God. Hearing him say that he would burn for us was obvious hogwash, but we overlooked it. He was obviously caught in the moment. He had pulled off a remarkable win. Morrison has immense confidence in his ability to to again lead his troops to victory, and the quality of his team is so sketchy that he will probably carry most of the burden of campaigning in 2022. That does not all go well for the coalition because the electorate is tired of Morrison and they see his ministers as ciphers, parroting Morrison's talking points. The last two weeks of parliament were revealing and it was all bad. Morrison showed his true colours. He has form as an Anti-Muslim, he's beholden to the Australian Christian lobby and he is at best a homophobe. He's no strategist when it comes to parliamentary procedure as he was easily outwitted by Albanese on the Religious Discrimination Bill. He is afraid of a real integrity commission because he knows that probably half of his front bench would be investigated. He raises the defence that Labor does not support his bill so Labor must be to blame for it sitting unloved on a shelf for three years. So he went to where his instincts tell him to go. Can we describe his orchestrated attacks on Albanese as being vintage 1950s? To watch Morrison and Dutton frothing at the mouth as they accuse him of treachery was obviously the stuff of panic. If a couple of negative poles are able to loose these sorts of attacks, it can only get worse. How can we respect a Prime Minister and a Defence Minister when they're so easily spooked. Morrison's relentless messaging is tiring. His politicisation of absolutely every incident in Australia invites an attack on Albanese or the Labour Party. Thank God he doesn't comment on the weather. He would probably blame Labour. It's as if he has only two gears. One is where he goes missing, waiting for situations to drift until they become crises. Two... He's like the Energizer bunny chasing down every opportunity to bag the opposition. Morrison has supreme self-confidence until he's caught in the headlights. His success in handling the pandemic has turned to failure. We all know why Greg Hunt is getting out. His performance in the last six months has hit new depths since we found out he didn't buy any vaccine until it was too late. But he was great at announcing new drugs going on to the PBS. Well, Morrison's attacks on Labour, vilify about 35% of the population. Has it never occurred to him that, and the team that he's meant to govern for all of us? No, because we're stuck in a retro-anti-left mindset which divides the country. By accusing Albanese of being pro-China, he's accusing Labour voters of being traitors. We know Morrison's flaws, but what is worse, we've lost patience because he leads a government of such astounding incompetence that we cannot bear to watch the next instalment. Thank you for listening.
2: 3CR.
0: And you can find Bucko at askbucko.com Yeah, Ask Bucko, he'll tell you.
3: And take the bread from off my plate But you can't break me Lock me out, chain the gates Put black shirts in with dogs and mace I'll hold the line, won't step away Cause you can't break me I belong, you belong We belong to the union Don't count me out when I'm on the floor We'll win again, we've won before The streets will ring a mighty roar Cause you can't break me Stocks rise up on workers' backs Profits soar while you hand out the sack Boardroom bullies bloated and fat But you can't break me Australia's sold to mates offshore Backroom deals and shonky law This day has come, we say no more You can't break me I belong, you belong, we belong to you We belong to the union We won't turn away if you dare us to fight I swear I'll never lay down and die I'm in the union, mate, got a right to belong We'll be back, millions strong Women and men united as one, cause you can't break me. There's a warning here to the men in grey, the pipers come, it's time to pay. We're taking back what you stole away, cause you can't break me. I belong, you belong, we belong to the Union. I belong, you belong, we belong to the Union.
0: And it's time for a bit of working class culture. Some poetry from comrade Natasha.
5: Ode to the Herald Scum. He scowled, looking up from the Herald Scum, stood up and with a rude gesture of the thumb, scanned the faces assembled in the smoko shed. So, fucking unionists got no social conscience, he said. In a voice that boomed around the walls. Well, why does a dog lick his balls? They reckon we're putting millions in our kick. These bastards make me fucking sick. Only looking out for our own and our own members. Well, this old dinosaur still remembers. The boys sat in stunned silence. Weeds, the steward, was in full flight. The tabloid press just gave him licence to crank him into another shit-fight. He held the newspaper high and drew their attention to all the union heads who got a mention. This is what they're calling social responsibility. Are the unions preserving our economic stability? So, you have to say, good morning, boss and kiss his ass before you kick it to advance the cause of the working class. Now you have to be a shiny ass with table manners instead of thumping it and the MBA with burly blokes in T-shirts and angry banners. If I've got an attitude, it's no mystery. Just have a gander at some of the history that built this country, stone by stone, from blood on the concrete to the broken bones of our forebears in the construction game. Then tell me why militant unions are to blame for the boom-and-bust chaos of the capitalist system and in its voracious appetite for profit. Let's list them. I'll take you for a cook's tour of this fair city, but I warn you, some of the stories aren't pretty. Can you tell me the Tolpuddle martyrs' names? George Loveless and his brothers would not live in chains except those in common unity to preserve their families from degradation. In 1834, sentenced to seven years' transportation to Australia for swearing a union oath, this spirit made them convicts. These convicts fed the growth of unionism, declaring that employers, magistrates and parsons would not redress the wrongs that led to starvation wages and the throngs of men, women and children in forced labour. But the union was there as your ally, as your neighbour. In 1856 we got the call again at the Melbourne University site we're hundred men down tools, resolving to stay out till they won the eight-hour day. For like tomorrow's dawn, they cried, we won't just go away. When the rule of law is coercive, those under its yoke turn subversive. When the past instructs the way ahead, who are rebels today, tomorrow are heroes instead. We have always taken to the streets before the politicians and judges declared our battle law. I'll take you back to May 1969 when Clary O'Shea refused to pay the fine imposed by Menzies penal powers. It was Labour's finest hour after nationwide strike action paralysed production because the tramway's union secretary, found in contempt of court, was thrown into jail by Mr Justice Kerr, who thought he could stand over workers and cut wages and conditions. But, after six days and thirteen years of struggle, the admission of an unjust law. So from black bands were born green bands, to prevent our heritage being torn down. If it weren't for builders' labourers, would this state now have the landmarks you see in the CBD from the Westgate? Flinders Street Railway Station, Melbourne City Baths, Queen Victoria Market, Royal Botanical Gardens, The Princess and Regent Theatres, Unionists are a greedy mob, we're told. But with no demo work, it wasn't easy being green in the old. The brand name on your work gear, Airport Alliance, now a fashion statement in recent times, an act of defiance against wreaths' laws enforced by goons in balaclavas and dogs at Webb Dock, an attack on one saw the gathering of the clans, arms locked in active unionism to fuel the fire from out the ashes as the phoenix arises. Solidarity is the spark that inspires union everywhere. Like the barricade of Garuda, boycott barley day after day as more blood was shed in Dili. To hold the line until I saw Jananar wave from the departure gate. I'll take that to my grave. There's no sign on the gate, only militants apply. You don't have to be a silver tongue to act in reply. It's the stewards, the face of the union, not the head. That's what you butt or hold proudly when you're not in bed with the bosses, but staunch. Struggling together on joint-site issues like safety or inclement weather, or taking action in campaigns that are industry-wide. Whatever your union, here we fight side by side. So next time you read the Herald Scum for news, don't forget your history or they'll use you, then wipe you like a dirty rag. He threw the paper like a missile, Between the boys in the crane crew through the dunny door, it just missed the plasterers. This filthy rag's not fit to wipe your fucking asses. You could hear a pin drop as weeds ended his journey through their common ancestry. They sat amazed at the heritage defended in a pride of place that is this nation's history.
0: Thank you, Comrade Natasha. Isn't she just fantastic? I really love her work. I really appreciate her poetry. Comrade Natasha, good on you. Oh, and also, it's nice to hear the kookaburra in the background.
2: You're listening to 3CR 855 AM on digital and on the internet, www.3cr.org.au.
0: A couple of quick things before I bring you some historic archival treasures from 3CR. Bernard the Magician, closing down, how sad, part of my life gone. And also the John Curtin Hotel, well there you go, an iconic Melbourne pub. Facing development, mind you, the Victorian Trades Hall Council says it's considering buying an historic venue to protect its cultural and historical significance. Well really the issue's is much bigger than just one Carlton watering hole, isn't it? Now, as I promised, some historical archival treasures. We don't have the Bagman this week because he's cook, and I want you all to send him a big cheerio now. Come on, one, two, three Cheerio Bagman. Couldn't hear you. Let's do it again. One, two, three. Cheerio, Bagman. Let's hope we got that one. Here's something from the vaults of 3CR, and it's a little excerpt
6: of the BL from the Bush. I just had a thought the other day about this, um, what I call an attack on superannuation. Sort of wonder what's behind it all. I mean, the I said the IPA led coal coalition government um, has never liked superannuation. They've always been opposed. But they've always tried that. They, they, they've stopped the increase in uh, payments all along the way. But now that they've you know just let everyone access it through through the hard times and whatever. But um, I just think there's more to it, and I'd just like to pose this to you that. Given the the prices of houses now, you can have a, a, a two bedroom weatherboard down in Brunswick or the inner, inner suburbs going for around about a million dollars now. We all know that that, that house, <clears throat> those type of houses aren't worth that. But I'm sort of looking a little bit beyond this with all these um, ridiculously priced houses at the moment that down the track a bit, which is I think has been on the back burner for a long time, is that when in the future, when you go to claim some sort of a pension relief and you don't have enough super and you own your own house, what these mongrels will do is that they'll then put your house into your assets and we all know that yet your little two two bedroom uh, weatherboard dong was no way no no way near uh, worth million dollars, but that'll go on to your assets and all of a sudden that will eat into your availability to access the pension. So that's just something I think to keep in mind that what these, this is sort of a plan also uh, without trying, it would, uh, why they're not trying to put a halt on these this ridiculous rise in price houses. It has been mooted over the years that the person's house should be uh, included in assets at those times it was a little bit political suicide but it's still I think it really is still bubbling away there on the back burner and they will in the future look at it as an asset because of these ridiculous prices so just something else I'd like you to ponder on have a bit of a think about a bit of a talk about I really uh, like to get on one one week and have some happy stories instead of all this doom and gloom, but unfortunately that's the year that's what we're living in at the moment, but maybe we'll have a look at something to put a smile on your dial or something. Anyway, that's about it from the beal from the bush. I'll go out in the same old way. Dare to struggle, dare to win. If you don't fight, you lose. Morning comrades, good morning, Susanna
0: i love all the archival stuff we have here real treasures and because as i've said earlier the bag man's pretty crook he's not in to talk with us today so i have some little archival
1: footage of him and good morning susan good morning to all your listeners Now, I just wanted to follow up from last week when we were talking about passports. Now, a passport is a contract, a personal contract, between you and the government. So I went and found my uh, passport. I haven't been able to use it much recently, but I opened the front page and I read, The Governor-General of the Commonwealth of Australia being a representative in Australia of Her Majesty Queen Elizabeth II request all those whom it may concern to allow the the bearer, an Australian citizen, and here's the sting in the tail, to pass freely without let or hindrance and to afford him or her every assistance and protection of which he or she may stand in need. Now, that says it all about the uh, dire... Uh, tragedy that's taking place in uh, in India at the moment, and we can't be we can't be uh, any more sure that uh, not only in India but there are many Australians everywhere stranded and uh, not being able to be brought home here to Australia. Right. Even though the Lord Himself said uh, that all Australians who wanted to return to Australia would be able to return by, all, uh, by Christmas of last year.
0: Yes, by Christmas of last year. They're still waiting, though, as it turns out fortuitously for the Prime Minister Bagman, many of those more than 35,000 Australians trying to get home have now suddenly taken up residence in other cities because they've been there long enough to apply for another six months' residence. So
1: they were home for Christmas, yes. just not in Melbourne. That's right. And if you take into account, Susan, what's happening in India is a tragedy. Um, what's happening in the rest of the world is also a tragedy. But I had a, uh, a message from a doctor in India, and you talk about social distancing and all that sort of stuff, and you see. Uh, You see uh, religious uh, festivals going on and people um, swimming in the Ganges and whatever. He said, social distancing is a privilege. It means you live in a house large enough to practice it. Hand washing is a privilege too. It means you have access to running water. Hand sanitizers are a privilege. It means you have money to buy them. Lockdowns are a privilege. It means you can afford to be at home. A disease spread by the rich as they fly around the world are now killing millions of people in India. That just about sums it up, Susan. If, you, if you're poor and you're not rich, you don't get the benefits um, that uh, other people get.
0: Uh, it's, um, look, Bagman, what? are we doing for India? What is the government doing? Are we sending them, you know, aeroplanes and aeroplanes full of military personnel to assist them and taking medicines and stuff out? Field hospitals? They're good at field hospitals, the Australian Army.
1: Well, apparently, Susan, they are sending some aid. Um, They're sending vaccines and they're sending other aid, but the planes that fly them there are coming back empty. Now... Any reasonable person would think, why couldn't you whack a few Indians in the the back seat of the plane and uh, bring them home? (laughs) They could go into hotel quarantine here. And by the way, whoever thought of hotel quarantine? Who was it? I want (laughs) to (laughs) know. I was just
0: uh, just thinking, man. If There are Indians, say, in a certain... You know, there are Australians of Indian heritage and cultural background, etc. who at the moment are in India for whatever reason and they can't come home to their own country, Australia, and if that's not racism. But anyway, there are some Indians there in some small community or village. All they have to do is form themselves into a cricket team.
6: Yeah, right.
0: And front up at the gates of the airport and say... Where the Kerala, Calcutta, or Rajhanda, Bridge cricket team. We're turning home after this highly successful
1: season. But we'll call in to Maldives or we'll call in to Sri Lanka. Of course, and rest on the beach for a little while and get a get a suntan. Quarantine we'll, on the beach, and then we'll travel home, Susan. So yes, I sure practiced my cricket a lot better when I was younger. I had a chance. I own. Them. I, as you know, I reached the top level, uh, almost the top level in uh, in uh, league football. But it uh, was the
0: top level, bag man. Well, Don't be well, so hiding in light beneath you know, that great yeah, big right, I know, but in the
1: end, I found girls, and oh, yeah. uh, the career went down the gurgler. Yes,
0: yes, but I didn't realise. Well, I know about your football career. More
1: than you know that I oh, know. Oh, right. Okay.
0: But I wasn't sure about your cricketing career. This is something I missed out
1: on. No, back, no Susan, I'm saying I should have practised and I could have made the Australian team and then I wouldn't be in the trouble that most Indians are. I'd be lying on a beach in Sri Lanka or the Maldives. Now, wouldn't that be a place to go? Oh,
0: I'm not sure about the Maldives I'm not sure who I'd run into when I went down for coffee. It could be all sorts of horrible people there.
1: Well, it is run by the Malkers, the Sultan of Brunei. But take into account, Susan, have you heard that song, the the, um, the, the, the the drums, Fernando? Have you heard the drums, Fernando? Yeah. Well, apparently the Australian government has gone ahead and they're banging the war drums uh, in um, uh, a conflict with China now, I say to China, "You want to invade us? Come on, come on, you mugs! Bring it on! Uh, we don't care about you because we would have the frontline troops here if China was to invade us. I'd put Uncle Eric Abetz on the front line. Yeah, he he would deal with them, and then I'd put George Christensen. He now that would take a a cut lunch of rice noodles." To get around George Christensen. oh my, women how terrifying! What about what about Paul Anson? She oh. frightened the shit out of him. Another <laughs> another Asian invasion, you'd be saying. Now, yeah, we shouldn't be frightened of uh, China, but bring it on your mugs. Care <laughs> yeah. oh. now, you've got top public servants like Michael Paluzzo who should be advising the government and keeping his mouth shut. Uh, You have a general saying that we're going to have a conflict or a war with China within five years Um, and we can can even put uh, the spud, put the spud gun Beyond uh, Erica Betts and Paul Nance and George Christensen, he sort them out. A spud gun? <laughs> well, Mr. Dutton, the spud gun. I'm not sure what a spud gun is. Oh, yeah, yeah. Where did you grow up? Didn't you grow up in the streets of and
0: I must have had a very deprived childhood. I don't know what a spud gun is. What is it? It's a gun that shoots bits of spuds. Well, obviously, yes, I should have known that from the word itself, spud gun, a gun which shoots bits of spud. How do you get... The, oh, look, it's too hard. Did <laughs> do you make the gun yourself, Bagman? Did you find the gun in Campbell, with the laboratory?
1: That's right. And, you know, you've got to say to Peter, how about you go, to go off to war and fight the war with China, Pete?" and we'll all stay here and audit your personal fortune and all those home office contracts that never went out to tender because it's never your mob, Susan. It's never your kids that go to war. Um, It is your kids that go to war. It's never the children of uh, politicians that go to war and fight uh, to, to defend our democracy. Now, I died... I died twice on the Kokoda Trail for, for democracy and freedom in this country. So oh, think about that for a while. The gallantry of it all back, man. Well, we could even have the Lord himself on the front line. Mr Morrison, God's representative here on earth. Um, he, could, uh, he would be fending off the Chinese with a, with a crucifix. Do they use crucifixes in Hillsong? I'm not too sure. I know they, they have money bags. I don't know. Oh, yeah, I don't know. Ooh. I really don't
0: want to find out either.
1: <laughs> well, Mr Morrison uh, donates 10% of his uh, annual earnings as a tithe to the Hillsong Church, although he belongs to the Horizon Church, but it's pretty much the same. Well,
0: that's the way to go, isn't it? Get someone to be giving you a tithe of all of their wages. <laughs> that's right. It's amazing, isn't it, what you can find in the archives of 3CR. I brought you that historical snippet of the bag man because he's unable to join us. Not this week and possibly not next week because he's been a bit cook after some surgery. And while you're sending him your best, you can send me your best at haygo.com slash Susanna and I'll take you on a virtual tour. Maybe I can take you in to see the bagman virtually. Wouldn't that be a thrill? I'm not sure who'd be the more thrilled me, you, or the bagman himself. But look it up. Grab your phone or your laptop, you know, or your iPad, your tablet, your phablet, whatever. Heygo.com slash Susanna. That's hey, you know, H E Y. Heygo. Heygo.com slash Susanna. Now I'm not going to go on any more about smiling, we covered that earlier at the start of the program, but here's a little song that should make you smile, it made some people smile last week, and I've had a request for a repeat, thank you.
2: I Jesus sitting now on...
0: listening to, left after breakfast. And it's Susanna about to say goodbye to you. I have a couple of minutes and I want to really push it again about the coming election. It is just so important. You know it's important, but how many of your neighbours know it's important? I got a ride the other day in a Uber and the Uber driver was telling me that Scott Morrison, had done some wrong things, but he had a good heart. And I was saying to him, give me an example of his good heart. You know, I didn't want to start a fight with a man who's driving me in a car, a moving vehicle through the city. I mean, come on. I've got some, you know, sense of my own frailty. I suppose he stopped and threw me out. But I said to him, give me an example of his good heart, he couldn't really think of one, though he did say, oh yes, he apologised to that woman who said she was raped, well, you know, what could I do, I sort of whipped off one of my fingernails to take my mind off things, but you have to challenge everyone, you don't have to be rude about it, there's no point in being rude, you just put people offside, but you can ask them to explain, say, you know, please explain, Ask them to explain why they believe there's anything good about Morrison or anyone in this government, any one of them, any one of the stooges up there. Keep at them. Don't let people vote these bastards back. It's a real worry if they get back. Well, then we're all finished. Don't forget, the cashless credit card will be coming for you. And I mean you. Ah, oh, gosh. Crikey. But anyway, listener, I will say goodbye, because it's getting near the end of the program. Thanks for the ride. Thanks for coming along. I enjoyed having you with me again. And hopefully, hopefully, next week we will have the bagman back. It's sort of not the same without him, is it? He and I have been doing this program together. He says 34 years. I reckon it's 37 years, but what's three years between comrades, for heaven's sake? Three years doesn't matter, I mean age doesn't matter, unless you're a cheese. But I will say goodbye, I'll say see you later, see you around, ciao. Dare to struggle, dare to win. If you don't fight, you lose. Well, we can't lose, dear listener, we just can't. Good morning from Left After Breakfast.